Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Trent McWicket is lonely on the lead. He's up by four. On the outside, don't tell me again, cutting into the margin, but it's McWicket four years later back at the top of the sport. Homicide Hunter who sweeps past to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Dewey did some good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Giddy up. Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rock and Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rock and Ron, bit of a legend on the outside. Bit of a legend. This year's battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer. 59, somewhere fancy. Rockin' in heaven. Rose Run West is there. Here is the French connection. The alerts have won it. Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Shark start a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Shark digging deep. Shark's gonna dig in here and get the win here. Shark up on the front end. That none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Hold on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Giddy That dial another action-packed edition of Hoax Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I tell you, the, the up and down of temperatures, I don't know what the temperature is there, but it's about 70 degrees here. It's going to be 70 degrees. Last week was a nice storm. This week it's rain. I, I don't know what's worse, man. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get, and I'll tell you what, Mike, it has played havoc with some of the racetracks across not only this country, but our good friends up north of the border in Canada as well, and, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, track conditions last week, and, you know, some of the things that that these uh, track men have to worry about, and it's not so much, and, and basically what they want this time of year, Mike, is they want steady weather. Hey, if it's going to be steady 5, 10, 15 degrees, that's fine. But where they start to have problems is when it's 5 degrees one day and 60 the next, mixed in with rain and precipitation and snow and whatever. That's what really makes life very difficult for track men across the country and Canada. 
I tell you what, I'd almost rather have three feet of snow and 30 degrees outside than negative five wind chill every day. Um, that's just, you know, just how I would prefer it. But I tell you, the, the weather has wreaked havoc upon uh, some racetracks uh, over the last uh, week or so. But we got some action-packed racing coming up this week. We also have an action-packed guest list, Mike. Yeah, we sure do. But before we get to that guest list, I do want to ask you a question. How Are, are we going to have some good charted lines from Northfield yesterday, last night? Oh, boy, here we go. I knew you would ask that. Of course you would go there. No, well, you know, we used uh, the three-letter fog term. Mm, okay. Yeah, it the was uh, – and, and this is just once again, this is, these are the challenges that come this time of year. You know, when you get the, when you get the inconsistent temperatures, not only does it play – you know, havoc with the track men and the track conditions, you know, uh, across the racing world, but it also plays havoc with people like the announcer in the charter. And of course, obviously the, the handicapper depends, you know, on good charted lines in the charter for a lot of, uh, you know, to make their handicapping decisions and who they want to play in the race. So, I mean, it, this, you know, inconsistent weather affects everybody. Yeah, definitely, and I, I give it to Ayers Ratliff. He did a heck of a job calling the races last night. Uh, you know, it, it was unbelievable. I called the last three, and the last race I struggled because the fog was settling back in, and it, it is not an easy task, that's for sure. No, certainly, and listen, you know, usually you can get away with it at a, on a half-mile track because, you know, it's smaller than a five-eighths or a mile, but yesterday that was some thick, thick fog, and you really couldn't see anything. Uh, for a couple of those races there until the horses were right there at the finish wire. And speaking of yesterday, Mike, how about Ronnie Wren Jr.? 5,000 career wins for Ronnie. I, I'll tell you what I knew Ronnie when he was uh, a young guy cutting his teeth at Hazel Park and, uh, you know, his his dad, Ron Wren. And, and what a classy move a few years back for Ronnie Wren to switch his colors from, uh, I believe it was white and black to uh you know, the, the colors of his dad, that I thought was a classy move. And Ronnie's a classy kid. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot more than 5,000 wins on his resume by the time his career is said and done. Yeah, that's for sure. And how about, I, I, you know, I, I got to give him a little credit. He joined my group, the Bearded Group. I was happy to see that uh, Mr. <laughs> Wren joined the Bearded Group. So, you know, it was nice to see him get his 5,000th career win last night, but it was even cooler to see him in the winner's circle, uh, joining the me and the Marcus Millers and, you know, the, the, the Bearded Gang. Yeah, yeah, the beards are back in style, man. Beards are back in. I wish I could grow one. The, the beards are back in town, my friend, as far as uh, what's on the face. And uh, I tell you what, it's one of those things, Mike, like I said, you know, where, you know, Marcus Miller, look at Marcus Miller, look at Marcus Miller, look at Marcus Miller. Seriously, people I mean, he grew that big, you know, the big, long beard. And that's what he was known for. And, you know. It's just, I, I, uh, hope, I hope I hope I hope he I hope people I hope the conspiracy theorists out there don't think, do know that we're talking about the beard on the face. Yeah, the, you know, I wanted to make sure. I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, you never know. All right, listen, we got a great show on tap for you today, and it's going to be a pretty informative show. You had a chance to sit down with Mike Tanner, the CEO of the USTA, and uh, as I was uh, putting it together, I had a chance to to listen to it, so I had a sneak peek, and I'll tell you what, it's a really informative interview and i actually learned a lot of things that i didn't know about this interview that's how you know that it's a good <laughs> interview when you learn stuff that you don't know so you're going to want to stick around for that uh you had a chance to sit down with mike tanner the ceo of the usta yesterday and a pretty good in-depth interview 
uh, a few, a multitude of items actually that you guys touched on, very informative, including Mike and and I knew that the USTA has lobbying efforts in Washington, but I did not know to what extent. I did not know who did it, and and we find out a lot about what's what's going on in Washington, or at least you did in that interview yesterday. So uh, certainly stay tuned for that. Plus. A guy that, you know, a few years ago, we had no idea who Louis Philippe was. It's like this kid completely come out of left field and took Canada by storm in terms of driving. And all of a sudden, he he just he seems like he dominated from the word go, and he's still on top of his game years later, Mike. Yeah, definitely. He he's gotten to drive some of Harness Racing's greatest champions, some Ontario Sire Stakes champions. So it's been really cool to watch Louis Philibois uh kind of come up the ranks a little bit. And it was even cooler to hear us be able to say his name right, because I, I know a lot of people call him Louis Roy. And it's not Louis Roy, it's Louis Wah. And so I'll be interested to talk to him about the O'Brien Awards in Canada. And speaking of the O'Brien Awards, we're gonna have regular contributor Garnet Barnsdale on, and he's gonna talk to us about all the reaction from the two thousand 19 awards yeah he had a chance to be there at the uh, o'brien awards and and uh, he's going to give us a really really cool like kind of like an overview of what the atmosphere was you know we constantly hear year in and year out how great the o'brien awards are the usual awards just as good that's coming up uh, towards the uh, latter part of february we'll certainly get into that uh, as uh, we get closer also mike we talk about constantly on this show how we have to get more caretakers and grooms involved while well, we're going to on this program here today. And this is a very, very special guy, Scott LeCain, who is a groom for Mark Stacy. He won an O'Brien award and uh, what a hero this guy was along with a few others that uh, basically put their lives on the line going into the first lane training center while it was on fire and rescuing horses. Mike 35, of the 40 horses were rescued thanks to people like Scott LeCain and some other brave people that basically, you know, put their own lives on the line. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to ask Scott about this uh, when doing some research for the show. Uh, one of the articles said that the firefighters continuously told Mark, as uh, Scott and others, listen, you guys got to get out of here, get out of here. But uh, nonetheless, they put life and limb out uh, out there and uh, it, it saved you know, quite a few horses, a majority of the horses in that barn fire. And certainly Scott has to be commended. Good to see him get his due. The O'Brien Awards. And Mike, we're going to talk to him about that coming up uh, probably towards the bottom, uh, about 11, 20 or so. Yeah. Talk about heroes that those guys are, Mike. I mean, risking their own lives, going in to save those horses. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible feat. That's for sure. All right. Post time with Mike and Mike is presented by Bet America and the USTA and a very informative interview coming up next. Mike Carter had a chance to sit down and talk to the CEO of the USTA, Mike Tanner. That is coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain. Rehab. Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. 
The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, we're joined now by the CEO of the United States Trotting Association, Mike Tanner. Mike, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mike, let's talk about a couple of things uh, going on at the USTA. Uh, I know you've been to Washington uh, a couple of times over the last uh, couple of months. Talk to us about what's going on there. Been in Washington D.C. a lot of times over the past uh, few months. Um, we. Uh, got involved in D.C. early in, well, I guess it would have been 2018, um, in our opposition to H.R. 2651, which was the Horse Racing Integrity Act of 2017. Um, that would add uh, a layer of federal bureaucracy that would oversee racing medication uh, in the United States. And um, while I think there are, there are some good intentions behind the bill, a, a read-through of it revealed that um, it, it really isn't good legislation. Um, it would pass undue burdens uh, down onto racetrack owners and to the horsemen. It would seek to solve a problem that we really don't feel exists in terms of uniformity. Um, and, and perhaps most glaring, um, it would have outlawed the use of all race day medication. And that's not that big, big a, a leap, uh, because really, I mean, Lasix is, is the race day medication right. that's being used right now. Um, the American Association of Equine Practitioners came out and said not only is Lasix safe and efficacious, but it's the humane treatment uh, to combat bleeding, uh, exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. Um, and in spite of that, the proponents of the bill still said, well, we don't care. We don't want to see anybody use it. And we didn't think it was right for the horse. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, the safety of the horse is obviously always the number one uh, factor, of course, in veterinarians' minds and, of course, the USTA's minds. But, you know, when, when they bleed uh, or during a race, it's almost kind of like me and you going outside in, like, 20-degree weather and running in our lungs. We just can't breathe uh, while we're running. Yeah, it, it's always puzzled me when, when people label Lasix as a performance-enhancing drug, as if it's some sort of hop that's going to move a horse up. It's a performance-enabling medication that deals with a, a situation uh, that over over time and left untreated can be detrimental to the horse. Um, you know, I, I, I understand the argument was that you know when it became legal for the use of equines back in the late 70s, the accusation was well, you know, because of the dilution effect that it has, it, it serves as a masking agent for other drugs, and that may or may not have been the case at that point. But it's not now. The testing has advanced and is so sensitive um, that this doesn't come into play, and so it puzzles me um, to hear those that that would label the usage of Lasix as doping. And uh, it, more important as to whether it puzzles me, um, it's puzzled the USTA board as well that about five or six years ago came out with a statement in favor of the controlled use of Lasix under supervised conditions. And, uh, and I, somehow this still wound up in H.R. 2651 as being bad for the industry. Now, Mike, who lobbies uh, for the USTA in Washington, D.C.? And what are some of the things that the sport is lobbying for on a federal level, obviously, besides yeah. this? Um, we use a, a strategic planning, consulting, and uh, and lobbying group called uh, the Ingram Group. They're based in Washington, D.C. They also uh, have an office in Nashville, Tennessee. Specifically, uh, our two primary lobbyists there are a pair of very, very sharp um, uh, young women named Amanda Bunning Kelsey and Brandy Ingram. Um, uh, Amanda is uh, heavily involved in Republican circles. Brandy uh, served as a chief of staff for a House Democratic uh, member, in addition to several other positions that they held. And um, they've been advising us and helping set up the meetings, and have really been uh, just a, a great help to us. In addition to our opposition to HR 2651, we have also lobbied for the creation of a bipartisan bill that would see. Um, um, an increase in H2B visas, uh, temporary guest workers, okay. um, that uh, uh, many trainers, especially on the thoroughbred side, but on the on the standardbred side as well, especially in the mid-Atlantic region, um, have had trouble finding employees to work in the stables, to be grooms, and on the thoroughbred side to be hot walkers. Um, the economy right now is very strong, uh, and yet these uh, – well, not even yet, but but because of that, I think in part of because of it, these jobs have not been able to be filled. Um, and so I, I met in Representative Ted Yoho's office. Um, he's a Republican out of Florida um, and is working across the aisle with the Democratic colleagues to find something that will um, satisfy President Trump's concerns about illegal immigration while still providing American employers uh, with the employees that they need. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've noticed even when I worked at Buffalo Raceway, we had uh, some drivers come down from like Canada and wanted to drive. And that was kind of their concern uh, was obviously being able to get, you know, the visa to work over here or drive over here. Yeah. And, and in the past few years, it's become more difficult on a couple of occasions. We've written endorsement letters uh, for member trainers here who have been uh, working to secure the services um, of uh uh, of foreign workers um, who've come over and are, are looking to stay, and and that's something that we take pretty seriously as well. So, 
you know, it's 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 hard to train your horses just by yourself, especially if you have a few of them. Right. Well, we have a big event coming up at the USTA. It's the annual meeting. Uh, talk to us about when and where it is. It's going to take place in March, correct? Yeah, it's the annual meeting of our board of directors. We have 60 directors. They'll all be here uh, from Friday, March 8th through Monday, uh, March 11th. This will take place at the Hilton Easton Columbus over in the Easton Shopping Plaza area. Um, it, it really is. It, it's almost like a like a harness racing. I don't want to use the term Congress, but it is a legis- legislative session uh, in a sense in that the bulk of the director's duties will be in adjudicating and voting on the rule change proposals that have been vetted by each of the districts in district meetings for the past few months. It's also a place, I think, where where everyone from the industry comes together, and some of the best conversations are actually not in the room but in the hallways, and ideas are put forth and then brought into the room. A couple of years ago, we went forward with, uh, with Conversion and, and the Social Media Initiative. Last year, I pitched the Standard Bread Transition Alliance. Um, it's where a lot of work gets done in a short amount of time. That the, these meetings are open to the public too, by the way. And I would encourage uh, anyone who is interested uh, to come on out. If you need a schedule, um, an agenda, whatever, just let us know. I know that we'll have things on the on the website in advance of the meetings. Um, and we encourage everyone's participation. Now, is there a registration period, or uh, how can racing fans uh, register to attend? And is there a way to watch it online, or is it available afterwards? Um, take the second question uh, first. It'll be available after. We're not live streaming it this year. We did it for the past couple of years. We had a couple of technical problems. And also, to be quite honest, um, and I can't imagine why people don't want to sit at home and, and watch meetings. Um, you know, it's kind of like the C-SPAN of horse racing. Uh, but but the, the numbers, the, the viewership numbers, we're, we're rather light. We'll just politically put it that way. Um, there's really no registration required, although if you need a room at the hotel, I would uh, advise people um, to act as quickly as they can. Any questions at all, call the USTA. Ask for Sally Stoffer. Sally's my executive assistant. She can provide whatever information you may desire, or shoot me an email, shoot Sally an email, any of us here. Uh, we can provide guidance. Now, let's talk uh, real quick about the Standard Bread Transition Alliance. Uh, what exactly is it, for those who don't know, and how does it work? Well, the Standard Bread Transition Alliance is a standalone third-party entity designed to raise funds uh, from the industry to support uh, our equine athletes after their retirement. It's modeled on the TAA, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, that's been in place for about 10 years now and has, has been very successful. They're based in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, it just seemed to me that this was one idea of the thoroughbreds that we really needed to replicate and could do so. The folks at the TAA were very receptive to us wanting to copy their model. Um, I spent a couple of meetings, a couple of trips. I went down to Lexington, met with Stacy Clark Rogers down there. Anyway, it's an idea that I pitched with a with a kind of a sketch business outline in March. Um, a board came together after that, elected Dave Reed um, from uh, from Tattersalls uh, as uh, uh, as its president. Um, got a bunch of very influential and, and creative and, and smart people on the board. Uh, and what they will do now is try to build the infrastructure. Uh, and then start raising funds, uh, and then disperse those funds uh, according to the guidelines and the criteria that they develop. Now, we've noticed uh, already there's some pretty big uh, donations or funds kind of coming in from the OHHA and uh, Northfield Park. Uh, it's really impressive how it's kind of taken off already. Yeah, I'm, I've just been so happy about it. Northfield got the ball rolling with a $15,000 contribution last fall. Um, and Kevin Greenfield, who uh, who just stepped down, having served a term or two as the president of the OHHA, 
was in the first board meeting and is on the STA board now, um, actually was on the board when he made the suggestion and said, you know what, I, I think this is something that we need to support. I'm going to take this back to my board uh, and try to get the support. And, and they responded uh, overwhelmingly. And so um, this is money, as I said, that we'll, we'll seek to um, hire, hire folks to run and build the organization and then start dispersing those funds to approved and accredited rescues. Um, I, I, think, I think it's the right thing to do, first off. Yep. And I also think from a business perspective, it's the smart thing um, to do because the expectations for how uh, horses are treated nowadays um, and where they go after their racing careers are over, they are very different than when I was growing up, when I was a kid in the 70s and a teenager in the 80s. Um, and with social media right now, now, um, the critical masses are more easily able to be developed, um, and, and that's something that we're trying to do, but it's also something we need to be aware of. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a horse named Killian Cut Kid that was found in a sales pen, and there were a lot of people very upset by that. A lot of people outside the industry, he's a standard bred, became aware of that, and that came to our front door. And that was, for me anyway, it was, it was the tipping point in a way that said, okay, we've been talking about this. I think we need to move on it. Um, and I, uh, I, I am hoping that, uh, um, that the STA will continue to grow and that the USTA will, uh, will get behind it and support it. All right, Mike. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day. We certainly appreciate it, and we'll be talking with you soon. Thanks again. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, you'll have more from Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Bet America. All right, we're going to forego that timeout because uh, that was uh, that was taped yesterday. But uh, Mike, great interview, first of all. Uh, I thought you did a fine job there. You know, um, some good stuff there from uh, the CEO of the USTA, Mike Tanner. Uh, you know, a couple of interesting things before we get to uh, Louis Philippe, who's waiting patiently. First off. Um, the lobbying in Washington. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize how active harness racing is in not only on the state level, and obviously it's very important for racing to be friends with the politicians on the state level for obvious reasons, you know, especially with expanded gaming in the mix now, but on the federal level, on dealing with performance-enhancing drugs and things of that sort, uh, you know, trying to get workers here on a temporary basis because, you know, farms and horsemen and a lot of people are having a tough time finding help. I mean, these are some of the things that are in gear and uh, that are in action going on on a federal level that the USDA is, you know, lobbying for, Mike. You know, the one thing about it, Mike, is I didn't realize how much went into those lobbying efforts and how much work was actually done until I started working here. So it was kind of cool that we had the chance to sit down and ask him about that, and who exactly he talks to and what workers he's working with. Um, there. And then it was also cool to kind of hear about the Standard Bread Transition Alliance and mm-hmm. what they're doing to kind of build those things up, kind of create, um, you know, uh, kind of create a system in which they give these dollars to these aftercare programs. I'll tell you what, it's fantastic. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I think Mike Tanner and the group and you guys and everybody there is doing a fantastic job. And a lot of times it doesn't get a lot of the headlines, I think, that it deserves. But, you know, I'll tell you what, the USTA, in my opinion, a lot of times has gone above and beyond what they are supposed to be. And honestly, they're a record keeping. That's what they were initially intended to be. But I think in a lot of cases, uh, and obviously you're sitting there right now with social media and there's a lot of stuff going on with, you know, the, uh, the transition and, uh, you know, horse aftercare and lobbying and everything where the USTA has answered the bell and is evolving, you know, certainly 
more than a, a record-keeping body. So hats off to everybody at the USDA. And Mike, certainly a great interview with Mike Tanner. We'll certainly catch up with him as we're going to, uh, with our USDA minutes, uh, you know, keep up to date on the going-ons uh, and uh, the progressions of what the USDA is accomplishing. Louis Philippe was in the on-deck circle. We're going to talk to him, plus uh, Scott LeCain is going to be joining us as well. Garnet Barnsdale, all left to come on this edition Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. This edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the New England fan himself, Louis Philibois. And Louis, the first question I got for you is, how did you hang out with our man Garnett Barnsdale at, 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 during the Super Bowl? I, I, you know, he talks so much, uh, so much stuff on the Patriots. How did, how did you let, let that happen? <laughs> I kind of a, a surprised him with the uh... – the New England uh, Pats uh, shirt on j- the jersey on me, and uh, I don't know if he liked it, but <laughs> you might ask him later on if he if he liked it. <laughs> Mike Bo- Mike Bozich here, and I'll tell you, I know he didn't like the result. That's for darn sure. But uh, and, and you know what? It wasn't a great. Well, it depends on what you like. If you like defense, that you know that's that's your kind of game. If you like you know slobber knocker style of football, that's your kind of game. But I think a lot of people were expecting more offense from from the two teams. So I think you know that that kind of soured it. But that, listen, man. It, what is this, the sixth Super Bowl for New England? There, there's no question, Louis, there's no question that, uh, you know, the, the people need to recognize their greatness. I mean, this is definitely a dynasty. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, for my part, as long as the as long as long the score is still tied, like, late in the in the game and you still have a game, I think it's always exciting, even if it's a, if it's a low score with not much uh, not much offense. But that's my that's my opinion. 
All right, enough. Well, no, enough about that. Let's talk about the unbelievable year that you have. And I'll tell you what, your driving career has is just kicked off. I mean, just unbelievable uh, how quickly that you've risen amongst the ranks and have taken Canada by storm. And uh, it's your first uh, driving title, uh, Canada's Driver of the Year. Um, let's see, uh, 416 wins, uh, over 7.4 million in earnings last season. An unbelievable feat. Uh, and you talked, uh, reading the Standard Bread uh, Canada article, when you won the Future Star Award and Sylvan Filion was the uh, driver of the year, you kind of looked at that and be like, boy, I'd like to be standing there one day. And just to fast forward a couple years later, and there you are. Tell us what that meant to you. Yeah, exactly. I think you kind of resume it a little uh, good when I, I remember, uh, uh, like, two years ago when I was there for the, the winning the Future Star Award, and I seen Phil, uh, Sylvain winning the, the wasn't his first, by the way, uh, O'Brien. So it kind of, uh, it kind of gave me the, the, the dream to, to, to get an O'Brien too for the Driver of the Year, but I would never expect that it would come, uh, come so fast. Uh, I mean, even last year I was uh, nominated uh, for an for an O'Brien Awards too. Even that was. Uh, it was uh, a surprise for me, and and uh, that it goes so quickly. I don't know. It's some like you don't realize it when you're driving uh, days after days. You just do your job, and you, you you don't realize as much that much the success you have until you you look back at the stats or whatever, and or you need those those kind of night that uh, that makes you realize uh, where you where you are now and all the all the roads you've you've been through now louis what was that moment for you that things kind of uh changed from kind of being like the small town guy to stepping up to the big stage uh i think when i when i uh got the call from uh, renee allard i was still driving in ottawa and in three rivers uh, i was doing good there but you know, I, I was still working to at the at Telus's my main job whatever when he called me and he asked me if i wanted to drive all his horses on the on the wake circuit uh i think i think that's where it kind of changed that's when i had to decide if i was gonna leave my uh, my other job and go 100 percent in uh, in harness racing for driver so and from then also we had the immediate success uh running and i so it kind of started right there Visiting with driver Louis Philippon. Now, Louis, listen, uh, once again, going back to the Standard Bread Canada article, which is a great article, um, joking with uh, Kathy Wade, okay? And, and, and listen, you, <laughs> the Lions lost Barry Sanders at a very early age, okay? We can't lose you now. You're talking about, and I hope you, and I know it's tongue in cheek, but you're talking mm-hmm. about maybe opening up a restaurant and just retiring from racing after a couple of years. Now, now listen, you've got so much to give to the sport. Uh, you're certainly, I mean, certainly a Hall of Fame career is on track for you. That's, that's tongue in cheek, right? You have no interest in uh, abandoning ship early, do you? No, I, I was like I was kind of joking, but in my mind, uh, like getting an O'Brien Award would have come way later in my career. So if it was gonna happen or whatever, I didn't expect it. So I was, uh, it was in my mind like the 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 top I could reach. So 
I was I was just saying as a joke a little bit, but uh, that uh, once I went, once I'm gonna have reached that, then after uh, I'll feel good with myself with what I've done in racing, whatever, and then I'll I'll go with the, my second passion. But uh, no, I think I I got still a lot to to achieve in the you know in this racing, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to leave uh, so quick. Speaking of having a lot to achieve, Louis, what are some goals that you've kind of set for yourself uh, over the next couple of years as your con- career continues to build? Yeah, uh, I'd like uh, in the in the near future maybe to be a little bit more present on the maybe the Grand Circuit going around the, the states. Uh, if I if I want to to have a better year or a year as good as what I had last year. I kind of have to, I kind of have to explore this uh, this a little bit more. So that would be kind of my my goal for uh, the next few years. Louis, let's talk about uh, one of the horses uh, that you had the pleasure of driving in 2018 uh, and uh, a horse that we saw kick off the Breeders' Crown card at Pocono with a convincing victory. And that, of course, is the uh, three-year-old superstar, uh, well, now four, but three-year-old Jimmy Freight. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, watching Jimmy and watching the social media interaction of owner Adriano Sorella it just it just I think has just been fantastic for the sport of harness racing you know a uh, lot of people got into the hashtag Jimmy Jets a lot of people got into the the whole corn thing of course the horses from Iowa so certainly an uh, an unbelievable story tell us about uh, your relationship you know throughout the year of uh, being the main pilot of Jimmy Fright uh, that, that was a like for me, it was a little bit a little bit uh, first dive into that uh, Grand Circuit, so there was a lot of uh, first for me and uh, a lot of for sure a lot of pleasure to travel with him and a lot of uh, good moments and all, like always uh, not, not stress but a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, of stress I would say maybe but uh, uh, like a. I've been lucky to have him this year, and that I hope it's going to help me in the future too. And one final question, Louis, before we let you go. Um, you know, you talked uh, a little bit about uh, Rene Allard and some of the relationships, uh, the, the relationship you forged with him at an early age, but obviously there were others. And, you know, driving and being in, in horse racing and harness racing is like any other job. I mean, networking and forging relationships is so important as you build your career. Who besides Rene were some of the people that you forged relationships with early on that kind of got you to where you are today? Well, uh, like clearly that there's for sure there is, there's no doubt uh, Richard Moreau that uh, since Rene went back to to race uh, in the states and not racing here anymore, I think that's him that kind of uh, kept my career going and made it to another stage too. But uh, earlier too, when I started racing in uh, in Harawa, uh, I started driving for Heath Desi up there. That's uh, is now the I think he's been the top trainer last year. So in uh, in Ottawa, and so we had a lot of success together, and he always uh, he kind of gave me some few some first some first chances. So uh, I would I would I would name this, his name if, if I had to to pick a name that uh, helped me to uh, get my career where it is actually. 
All right. Well, listen, Louis, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you in the future. And uh, we certainly know you're going to pile up the wins. But uh, once again, years and years and years and years and years from now, 40, 50 years from now, what talking about what kind of restaurant you open up after you get out of harness racing? Is it going to be a good Italian, good pizza place? <laughs> that would be kind of a sports, a sports bar, a sports restaurant. Yeah, I like to have it in, the, in my hometown. Go back there, but uh, like you said, that, that probably not in the next ten years. All right. All right. Well, listen. Stay on the track of harness racing, because man, you're gonna you uh, you've already achieved greatness. It is nothing but the green roads ahead for one Louis Philippe. Louis, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and uh, best of luck to you. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right, that was Louis Philippe. What a what a, a humble young man, a guy that's had a meteoric rise. Uh, you know, like I say, I mean, like two years ago, three years ago, nobody knew who Louis Philippe was, and uh, all of a sudden he has just taken Canada by storm. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's uh, what a what a nice young man. Yeah, super, definitely super professional. And that I. I, I thought maybe I didn't turn my mute off there for a minute. Uh, so yeah, super for professional. And, you know, he, he's a smart driver. He's a patient driver, Mike. That's one of the things I really like about Louis Wah is that he's not one to overdrive a horse. He's very patient. No. He kind of sits and waits and does his thing. And, and you need those well-timed drives to be able to do well. Yeah, especially at Mohawk. Now, you know, when, when racing switched over from Woodbine, you know, to, uh, to Mohawk, I, I, I from watching the two and you know garnet obviously would know a lot better than me but uh it seems like that mohawk plays a lot more fair than woodbine it seems like woodbine uh when they used to go was more speed favoring am i am i right on that mike yeah oh yeah i think so anyway yeah yeah okay so i mean you know it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of finesse to uh, drive at a, a track like mohawk where you know horses from off the pace tend to do better than uh you know say for example woodbine or even some of the half mile tracks you know flamborough and western fair where speed is important and you have to be up close but uh nonetheless we certainly thank louis philippe for joining us we have lots left to come on this edition of post time with mike and mike presented by bet america and the usta garnett barnsdale is waiting in the on deck circle as we're going to have more O'Brien Chad uh, plus we're going to talk to uh, another O'Brien award winner Scott Lacane for those of you that aren't familiar with that name Scott is a caretaker and a groom uh, works for uh, Mark Stacy uh, a name that uh, everybody north of the border should know and uh, certainly people south of the borders a fine trainer up there but Scott risked life and limb running into the uh, first lane training center when it was on fire rescuing uh well with some help obviously but uh, a big part of rescuing 35 out of 40 horses out of that fire i mean if you think about that mike 35 out of 40 horses in a burning building to rescue that many horses is an unbelievable accomplishment honestly mike nothing short of a miracle yeah, definitely, for sure. I'm interested to talk to him to see what his mindset was that night because, you know, Mike, I mean, I know we'd all say, you know, we'd run into a burning building for our families, but until you're put in that position, I don't think you really know what you're going to do. No, absolutely not. I mean, a lot of it's to run on instinct. And, you know, Mike, we talk about having caretakers and grooms on this program. And, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, thanks to uh, the fine people at Northfield Park and some other places, We've started to see some of these awards 
you know, pop up where we honor our caretakers and honor our grooms. And these are the people that are around the horses pretty much on a daily basis, you know, pretty much know the horses in a lot of cases better than the trainers and the owners and certainly the drivers. And it just goes to show you, Mike, that bond that these caretakers and grooms have with these horses, that relationship, that special relationship that they have with these horses. And, and Mike, you know, I'm glad to see it start to get some publicity. I'm glad to see it actually, you know, come up with some awards because these people are definitely an integral part of not only a horse's performance on the track, Mike, but that special, you know, relationship and that behind the scenes love and care that horses need. Yeah, for sure, Mike. And, and they're with the horses um, more than anybody else, if you think mm-hmm. about it. And so they build that relationship, like you said. And, and some of them are, are pets to these people. They're not just, you know, racehorses. They're pets. And, uh, you know, you see it all over Facebook, you know, with horses people like. Horses people aren't too fond of, but they love anyway. Um, you know, it, it's just there's some amazing stories out there, and I'm glad we get to capture some of them. We're going to take about a very quick 30-second time on, and we're going to get to Garnet Barnsdale. Post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet American. The USTA comes back next. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA and Better America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the New England Patriots fan himself, Garnet Barnsdale. Garnet, what's going on, buddy? You, I think you might have me mistaken for a few other uh, thousand bandwagoners. But uh, good morning, my brothers. It's going, everything's going great. How are you guys? Oh, not too bad. Well, listen, Garnet, let's talk about the 2019 O'Brien Awards, and wow, what a big night. But the story of the night was McWicked taking down Horse of the Year. It was, uh, but, uh, you know, first of all, I'd just like to uh, describe the night a little bit. It was it was just a fantastic night, and, um, you know, the organization was uh, was terrific. The meal was great, and uh, you couldn't get two better MCs than Jason Porwando and Ken Middleton. So I'd just like to, you know, commend Kathy Wade Blar and her team. They always do a great job with this night. It always comes off as, a, as, as an excellent night, and I, I really had a good time. But, uh, yeah, getting back to uh, McWicked as Horse of the Year, I don't think that surprised anybody. I mean, uh, I, you know, I think that he's maybe the three to five favorite to win it down south, too. He had a sensational year. Um, you know, they brought the big horse over from Australia, and uh, he handled them. So I think, uh, you know, if there was a story, the story in harness racing last year, maybe it was him. 
Garnett, Mike Bozich here. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the gentleman that we just had on the show right before you came on, and that is driver Louis Pierre-Claude. You want to talk about a meteoric rise, I mean, a rise straight to the top. I mean, Mike Hart and I were talking, I mean, basically a couple of years ago, nobody had any idea, at least down, you know, here, the general population of harness racing, I think, in the fan base had no idea who Louis Philippe was uh, a couple of years ago. Boy, they certainly know who he is now. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, he's, you know, and, and I, maybe some of the things people don't know about him is that he's, a, he's really a humble guy. He's, um, he really is. Uh, you really get the feeling that he really is living his dream when you talk to him. Uh, he's not, um, you know, he hasn't forgot where he came from. And the other thing people don't know is he's a funny guy. If you actually talk to him, uh, he's got a really good sense of humor and uh, can be quite funny at times. Now, Garnet, obviously you're going to be making the trip to Florida, if I'm not mistaken, correct, to the Dan Patch Awards? No, that's not until next year. Uh, Melissa's still uh, still kind of hanging in there for this year, Melissa Keith. But uh, you'll oh, okay. probably see me next year. Well, talk, then let's kind of talk about the feeling uh, of the O'Brien Awards. Obviously, you know, you've got two great MCs, like you said, like J- from Jason Portwondo and Ken Middleton and those guys. But the feeling on those awards nights, there's just so much anticipation. And, you know, what a greater feeling than what you feel at some of those award shows, especially the ones where you're not really sure Trotter of the Year, Pacer of the Year, Horse of the Year are going to be. Yeah, and, you know, I just wanted to touch on a couple of the awards. Um that people might look at the results and kind of look at them a little sideways, but there, you know, there's explanations for some of these. And if you look at, uh, for example, a three-year-old pacer uh, shower play beating Kissing in the Sand. Now, most people would say Kissing in the Sand had a phenomenal year. I mean, her, you know, she went two unbelievable miles on the rim the entire way. Uh, I don't remember what the first one was, but the second one was the Breeders' Crown, where she basically provided cover to the winner right to the last step, and and, and just got beat in the last step. So. I don't think there's any doubt she's going to win down south, but if you take a closer look, she raced up here in two finals of stake races and shower play beat her in both those races. So, um, you know, if you're a voter looking at that and, and the, you know, the main criteria is um, the greatest contribution to Canadian racing, then it becomes a no brainer. If uh, the only races that kissing in the sand raced in Canada, shower play beat her. Um, The other one that was a little bit surprising was, uh, exhilarated beating uh, Caviar Alley for the older pacing mare. Um, Caviar Alley dominated the Milton up here. She won the you know the elimination 148 and three was one of the biggest miles of the year, maybe the biggest on the Mohawk surface. She won the final. Um, you know, when you look at Exhilarated, uh, she doesn't really have any stakes wins. She but she won 11 races over over the course of the year, four of them in the preferred mares, and she earned more money. So. Um, you know, when voters take a look at these kind of things, is there a little bit of a Canadian bias? You know, maybe, but uh, the awards are given away from by Standardbred Canada in Canada, so you know, I mean, maybe it's not that hard to understand when you when you think about it that way. You know, Garnett and she started uh, exhilarated. Started well, I had a lot of starts in 2018, like 44, 45, something like that. That's a lot of starts for a for a harness horse in a season. And she's kind of a little, you know, she's kind of a little bit of a machine in that um, most races they send her. Like she's usually gets the first call, and um, most of the races she won was out of the pocket. So you know, more credit to them for getting good trips. But um, she's not making a lot of those starts, you know, sitting ninth and passing a couple of horses to get a check. She was raced pretty hard most of the year. So um, you know, credit to her and her connections. But 
you know, you can also see the other side and, you know, say, you know, Caviar Adali won a much bigger race, much more impressively. Why couldn't she win? The vote was actually really close there. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Garnett, let's talk a little bit about uh, everybody knows Jimmy Freight. I mean, what a unbelievable story, a horse that basically came from the cornfields of Iowa and, uh, you know, a horse that uh, uh, owner Adriano Sorella continues, uh, you know, promoted so well, interacted so well with a lot of his fans and social media kind of made Jimmy Freight a social media star, to be quite honest with you. Jimmy Freight had, had, had quite a following, but certainly earned his title, I think. I mean, $834,000 earned, got all five of the Ontario Sire Stakes races he competed in with a super final win and uh, just an unbelievable story and uh, with a guy, you know, like Adriano Sorella, owner who is passionate about promoting the sport of harness racing. Absolutely. He actually uh, just sent me a picture of Jimmy from the barn uh, a few minutes before I got on this call, and he looks like he grew a bit. So that could be that could be uh, a bit of a factor this year. But listen, you had uh, a lot of worthy horses in that race. Uh, sorry, in that race for that uh, award. Lather up won the North American Cup, obviously. He was very good at the beginning of the year. Maybe not so good at the end of the year. Maybe that's some of the things voters remember. Uh, Courtly Choice, winner of the pace and the jug. Nobody would argue if he, you know, if he was uh, good enough to win the award. But once again, Jimmy Freight won eight races in Canada, swept the Sire Stakes, uh, you know, won a division to some beach somewhere. And maybe his, one of his more impressive miles was he, he beat older horses, and he was third in the Mohawk Gold Cup to McWicket. So his Canadian record was pretty much impeccable. He won the most number of races and the highest number of purses here. And I think when voters are looking at that, when that's staring them in the face, that's, you know, that kind of stands out a little bit. Now let's kind of talk about uh, the Dan Patch Awards for just a second, Garnet. Now that you've seen the winners of the O'Brien Awards, do you think we may see any surprises when it comes to Trotter of the Year, Pacer of the Year, or Horse of the Year down here? Be a little bit more cut and dry. Um, you know, I, don't, I think McWicked probably is Pacer of the Year. Um, I, I, I don't really see any big upsets coming to you guys. No. I mean, the, the, the one, I mean, the one contention for me is still Sharton versus McWicked. I mean, I know how I voted, um, for horse of the year, but you know, the question is, you know, did Sharton do enough to, uh, upend the champion? And, uh, that's, that's, uh, still to be seen, I believe. She was outstanding. You can't take anything away from her at all. I mean, um, but um, for me, McWicked stands out. Like I said before, I mean, they brought over this horse that was supposed to be a super horse. You know, maybe he had some excuses with sickness and a few other things. But the bottom line is, um, you know, who won and who lost. And uh, McWicked handled him quite easily, in, in, you know, towards the end of the year there. And to me, that's, I think that's what's going to stick out in voters' minds. Um, and, uh, you know, I, all the credit in the world to Sharton. But if I had to make a prediction, I think the vote's probably going to go maybe 70-30. In, in a percentage basis, perhaps in that one, but uh, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, I guess soon. All right. Canada's best handicapper and uh, one of North America's best handicappers, no doubt. Garnet Barnsdale. Garnet, we could follow your picks at uh, drfharness.com, right? You absolutely can. And you can follow me at go cash King on Twitter. I post them uh, pretty much every day. And if I don't, somebody reminds me, I guess there's some gluttons for punishment out there. The one who I uh, use my picks for wagering, but, um, yes, that's uh, where you can find it, and uh, happy to be on your show as always, guys. All right, fantastic, Garnett. We'll let you. Uh, we'll let you get back, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. All right, that was Garnett Barnsdale, and uh, you know that, that that's interesting, Mike. The uh, dynamic here between McWicked and Sharton for Horse of the Year. I would say this. I think McWicked is a, a stout favorite. 
to win horse of the uh, to win uh, that that award, no question about it. But I will say this: I think that if Sharton would have had one win against the boys, I think that would have raised her stock and, and given her more of a chance than she has about Stigmic Wicked. And I I thought a good spot for her would have been the Potomac Pace. Yeah, you know, it's it's so hard to say because, you know, she had such a stellar season. She did something that no other mare has right. done before. And I think that that's something that kind of notched uh, in, in my, at least the feather in her cap for me was that in her season. But, you know, it's I think you're right. You know, a victory against the boys would have maybe sealed the deal for her. But it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. Well, I'll tell you what, that win by Sharthen in the Breeders' Crown, that yep. was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. I mean, she was swarmed. She was yes, she swarmed was. in the stretch. I mean, honestly, at the top of the stretch, if you could, like, wager at the top of the stretch, right? If you could, wait, like, in-play wagering at the top of the in, stretch. In Jersey, you can. Well, I'm, I'm at the top of the stretch in that Breeders' Crown race. She's not on my ticket anywhere. No. She's off the ticket, if you ask me. Yeah. She's off the ticket, and she fought back to win. I mean, it looked like Caviar Alley had her, and oh, boy. I mean, just a game, game horse. A lot of heart for her. And I'll tell you what, every vote that she does get, she's earned. There's no question about it. I don't want to hear anything about the, you know, uh, maybe well, she, playing she favorites or vote. anything for for. Well, I, I don't want to hear anything about playing favorites for people that voted for her because every vote she gets, she's earned. No question well, about it. Well, I'll tell you without a shadow of a doubt, she got my vote, and it's nothing against McWicked. It's nothing against you know who I picked for Trotter of the Year, but I, I think that you know she has to be recognized, and she's kind of been you know playing a little bit of second fiddle uh, throughout the season, but she's been chugging along. She made a million dollars this year. I definitely think that she deserves Horse of the Year. Do you think that the fact that Lazarus wasn't as good? In his last couple of starts towards the end of the year and really, you know, especially in the Breeders Crown and didn't give Mick Wicked more of a battle. Do you think that maybe that's the opening for Sharthen? Possibly, yes. I mean, you know, here's the thing. McWicked and Lazarus were almost like the always be Mickey and Wiggle it Jiggle it with the exception of most of their races weren't even close. And I think that's what gives the slight edge to McWicked is the fact that not only did he beat Lazarus a couple of times, but he he beat him in hand. And the one time that uh, Lazarus came up to him at the Red Mile, uh, McWicked just paced right away from him like it was nothing. So do do I think that you know it hurt McWicked's chances? Eh, yes and no. But I really believe that the fact that McWicked was able to pace away from him is actually a feather in his cap. Yeah, no question. No question. And the ease of that Breeders' right. Crown win. The ease of that Breeders' Crown win. Never asked, never touched. That was unbelievable. We're going to take a time out. We still have more left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Scott LeCain is going to be joining us, another O'Brien Award winner. And we've got lots to talk about in interviews you certainly will not want to miss. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. 
New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know pacing for the cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Scott LeCain will be joining us here in just a moment. Of course, uh, big, big hero. Uh, there's no other way to uh, no other way to say it. Uh, hero. Uh, Scott uh, LeCain working for the uh, Mark Stacy barn, working for trainer Mark Stacy, put life and limb on the line. As he jumped into the uh, first lane training center, first line training center, as it was on fire and rescued uh, was a big part of rescuing 35 of the 40 horses uh, that were saved. An unbelievable accomplishment right now. Let's bring in Scott. Scott, welcome to the program, buddy. How are you? I'm good. You? Fantastic. Well, listen, let's talk a little bit about that particular day, that particular night, and let's talk a couple of minutes maybe before anybody realized the place was on fire, what were you doing? And, uh, you know, what, uh, what kind of brought about the whole event? I was actually at home. I was sleeping. I live about 10 minutes away and I get a phone call. Probably, I think it was one thirty, one twenty-five from March and said the barn's on fire. He didn't know how bad it was. So I just jumped up and left. <laughs> 
So, and then when I got there, fire department wasn't there yet, and Joe was uh, there. And one of the guys that lived beside the barn had woken Joe up, and another guy, Trevor Forgy, that really helped out. And uh, basically, we, we had to do what we do, so we just said we, we got to get some horses out, but we could get out before, so... Now, Scott, obviously you put your life on the line uh, trying to help as many horses as you could. Talk to us about kind of what you were thinking as you were heading into the into the barn. Obviously, the fire department was trying to stop you guys from heading in, but you guys knew you had to get those horses out. Yeah, we knew. We knew we had to get them out, but I really, we really didn't think. We just knew it's what we had to do. Like, we, it's something like uh, the love of the horses. We just had like had to do it. So. Scott, what do horses – now, we kind of know you know, from these barn fires, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of them lead in tragedy you – know, end in tragedy. But uh, what do horses actually do? Like what were the horses that you were rescuing? What do they do during like a fire situation? Do they, are they just kind of just you – know, kind of the comfort of their own stall type thing? No, like there are a lot of them are panicked. They're like they don't know what to do. And they had no halters on, so we had to get the halters on them. But if you let let them loose just outside, they all want to run back in the barn. So you can't let them loose. You got to give them the people, put them in paddocks, put them on other barns, do something. But if you let them loot, run loose, they'll run back to the barn. So just it, it was hard to find the horses. Like I had no mask on, obviously, to find the horses to get the halter on. But some of them we just brought out with a lead chain around their neck. Now, Scott, so, talk like, to us kind of about about what your relationship is with a lot of these horses that we talked uh, a little bit before you came on the program about, you know, the, a lot of times, you know, the relationship between the caretaker and the horse is much more than just that relationship. It goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah, it does. They're like, they're like kids. <laughs> they, uh, you, they grow on you. You know what to do every day that, you know, one's sick, you know, one, like, it's, it's like, uh, it's like having a kid actually, like, you have to monitor them all the time. So then it grows on you pretty good. Visiting with Scott LeCain. Uh Scott, you're uh you you guys were kind of on the phone with uh with Mark Stacy kind of uh giving uh them updates on their horses as it was kind of transpiring. Now were you well obviously you you weren't the one who was on the phone because you were rescuing the horses, but no, uh, yeah. your your it's first your first was, yeah. right. What was your first interaction uh, with the Stacys when uh, you saw them kind of after this uh, this whole ordeal played out? Well, first person I saw, like, Stacy, I saw Sean Stacy, and he was in shock, like, uh, which anybody would be. And then Mark and Kathy, they they lived three hours away, so they were on their way up. So I didn't see them until later on in the morning. So, but by that time we had everything basically under control. Who's going? What call? Like that college? What doctor? You mean stuff like that? Now, Scott, so where are you guys? Was, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Mark, he time he got here, he was all he seemed uh, okay. Like it didn't hit him as bad as it did Sean. So, Sean was here right, right in the blunt of things. So. Now, Scott, where are you guys currently at um, while things uh, things are being rebuilt? Are you guys still at the same farm, or uh, where are you guys located at now? Actually, Mohawk Racetrack opened their retention barn up for us and let us be here for until we had the barns built. 
So that was very like very convenient at Mohawk and very nice of uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park to do that for us. They've been yeah, very sir- generous. You know, it certainly seems that when something like this happens that the, you know, the harness racing community kind of comes together. That's one of the great things I love about this sport is, you know, we, we, we're, listen, we're the fiercest competitors on the track. We're, you know, fierce competitors uh, in other ways a lot of times. But as soon as, right. you know, as soon as some kind of tragedy happens that, you know, affects somebody's livelihood, uh, you know, it seems like that the, the harness racing community rallies together. Scott, um, a couple of days ago, you were, you were on the stage, uh, you know, collecting a very well-deserved O'Brien award. And, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of times, and we've talked about it on this show plenty of times where grooms and caretakers don't nearly get enough the credit that they deserve. Uh, certainly not as much as trainers or drivers, but you guys are the ones that do the grunt work. You guys are the ones that are with the horses every day that have these special relationships with these horses. Tell, yeah. tell us about what it meant to you to, to get an O'Brien award and to be recognized. Well, it was very uh, overwhelming because I've been to a few O'Brien awards and been associated with trainers that got it trainer of the year and horses. Like, and it, this is totally different. Like it meant so much. I couldn't. Uh, everybody like was uh, overwhelmed. Like they were appreciated. Like it was. It meant a lot. It meant like that was the best thing that ever happened. Like to me, anyway, winning anything. It felt. Scott, obviously, we don't want to leave the, some of the people out that, that that helped you and were there in the trenches, rescuing the horses and you know making the phone calls and doing different things. So let's Absolutely. give a shout out sure. to, they to, meant, the, they were to the team. team. Yeah, let's give a shout they out the to whole, some of like, the people. Yeah, like Trevor Forey, he was right there with me. Uh, everybody that works at Stacey State, Liz Shiland, Doc Hennessy, Rebecca, Steve Titus, everybody like Dale Devine, Chris Christofferu, he was trucking horses for us. It was a, like a big team effort. Like it was unbelievable. Well, they, they, you know what they say, what, what, uh, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And uh, you're certainly a great example of that. Scott, we certainly appreciate you joining us. God bless you and your yeah. team. Fantastic work and, uh, and uh, great job, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right. You too. That was Scott LeCain. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, just uh, an unbelievable story there, you know, of, of heroism and, uh, you know, relationships with these horses and, and, and once again, you know, that kind of thing, I think, needs to be publicized a whole heck of a lot more because, that, Mike, it really is an unbelievable and, in a lot of cases, a miraculous story. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, think about like, – like I said before, you don't really know what you would do until you're in that situation. And to think that these guys selflessly ran into a burning building – to help save some of the things that they care about is just incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, why do we have to publicize these things a lot more than they're publicized? Because, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, quite frankly, don't like our business, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and think that, uh, you know, these horses don't, don't have it good and the people don't love these horses. Let me tell you what that is the furthest from the truth. The furthest from the truth. That is definitely the furthest from the truth. I mean, you know, people who say, you know, there's no love for the standard bread. There's no love for these horses. They have never seen some of the relationships these people have with them. 
That's right. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, in a little part as we plan to try to publicize it, Mike, we have uh, a monthly article that comes out, and Jess Scotton's been doing a great job highlighting some of the uh, horses at new vocations. And Jimmer was the latest one. If you haven't had a chance to check out Jessica's articles, you can go back in the USTA, and they're stored right there. You can you could uh, read all of them. But, uh, you know, what a cool thing. What, Mike, the first horse that she wrote on that she did was adopted, like, within a couple of days, right? Yeah, it was adopted within, I think it was three or four days. It was the same week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, good stuff there. But uh, you know what? Listen, horse aftercare is important, and uh, publicizing the relationship that you know grooms, trainers, and owners have for these horses is certainly important as well. So hats off to Scott LeCain. That was, uh, we certainly appreciate him taking time out of his busy, busy schedule to join us. We're going to take one final time out. We're going to wrap things up. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. Mike, I think we say this each and every week. Where did this last hour and a half go? Fun times each and every week here on the show. And uh, tell you what, what a uh, soundboard of guests we had. Yeah, just a couple of quick announcements before we get out of here. Uh, Rosecroft started their 70th meet yesterday. Oh, man. There you go. Yeah. How about that? Maybe next week we'll get uh, our man Pete Medhurst on and. Uh, uh, so, you know, hey, I think they they race Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, or is it Wednesdays and Sundays? Good grief. I don't even know if it's Wednesdays and Wednesdays Saturdays. And Sundays. Wednesdays and Sundays. It's Wednesdays and Sundays. Okay. Okay. So once again, check that out. Uh, good friends down at Rosecroft, 70th season. And by the way, real quick, Mike, I do uh, – everybody probably saw this on the USTA, but I do want to give a shout-out because uh, I – I'm going on my sixth season as track announcer of Harris, Philadelphia. But uh, if you are a uh, if you're a blacksmith looking for work, <laughs> oh, look at you with the cheap plug. I like it. Call uh, now. This is the right number on the article, right? Four eight four four nine zero one seven seven zero. So make sure you check that out. We start in late March, Mike Carter. Late March. 
look at you, man, getting ready to get things going again. I like it. Well, we can't get st- we can't get nothing going if we don't have a blacksmith. Well, there you go. You got to listen. You might be the one down there shoeing horses. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. I know you do a lot of different things. You don't. You know, you're not a blacksmith by any chance, are you? Yeah. No, I'm not a blacksmith. All right. Well, anyway, so we're looking for a blacksmith at Harris Philly. So uh, give us a call if you can do that thing. Mike, take us home. All right. We'll see everybody back here next Thursday with a first post of 1030. Make sure to check out our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. The Handicappers Corner it is rocking and rolling each and every Monday and Saturday. Good night. Can't stay here I know